many years ago, I suppose in a previous life when we still lived in Dublin, I got a phone call from a very close friend of ours who asked me, could he use the passage beside our house to burn something? Now, obviously, curiosity got the better of me, and I asked him what was going on. His parents had died a couple of years previous to that, and he had been in therapy, dealing with the legacy of his parents, apparently. Now, his therapist had suggested to him that he write a letter to his parents, airing his grievances, and that having written the letter, he burn it. He had tried to burn it on a couple of occasions outside his apartment in Dublin, in, in a back lane. And every time he tried to burn it, the match went out. I, I know, I'm laughing now, and we were actually laughing at the time at the good of it as well. He couldn't set the thing on fire. So he asked me, could he use our side passage to burn his letter? Now, this was probably 1997, 1998. If I knew then what I even knew a few years later, but which... I certainly know now as a result of how neuroscience has confirmed our psychological understanding of how the mind works, I would have said to him, what are you doing? This has nothing to do with your parents. Wherever you are in your life now, you can't blame your parents. You can't blame your siblings. You can't blame anybody. If there's anybody to blame, if it's anybody's fault that you are where you think you are at this moment in time, it's your own fault. In the same way, you know, people have said to me, oh, I was bullied at school. It's not the bully's fault that you are where you are now. Uh, my boss is a bully. The system is against me. Everybody will find some reason to blame someone else other than themselves for their current perceived predicament. Now, I've used the word perceived and I used the word thought a couple of minutes ago because it's what's going on in our own head that creates what we think is going on in reality. So let me come back to the key starting point in this week's podcast. Wherever you are now in your life, whatever you think is going on in your life, however you think you might be stuck in your life, However, you think you might be suffering from stress or anxiety or frustration or however you think the world might be against you. It's all to do with what you think. It's not your parents' fault. It's not your siblings' fault. It's not your bully's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not the system's fault. The world is not against you. Everything that is going on in the world, or almost everything, I'll explain that in a minute, is the product of thought. It is the product of individual thought and collective thought. And I mean everything, everything bad that is going on in the world. Thought is the root of all evil. And people will go around finding excuses for where they think they are in life. People will go around finding fault, others' fault, for where they think they are in life or what has happened to them. People will blame everybody else except themselves. Now, I said almost everything that is going on in the world is the result of thought. But there is a real reality. There is 
something that is going on in our lives and in our world that the human mind, when it is being used normally, will never perceive, understand, or appreciate. Because how we perceive our version of reality, how we perceive our version of ourselves, is the result of the reality that is going on in the world and the thoughts that we apply to what we see, feel, hear, smell, and taste by way of reality that enable us to make sense of what is going on in the here and now. So let's take this back to a practical level. Let's go back to the start of this week's podcast and go through what I'm talking about in practical detail, because this is not a psychological, theoretical proposition. Let's say that when you were young, you had an older sister or brother, and they wear what has been described to me by a number of my clients. They were the golden child. They were the child who could do it all. You were told, why can't you be more like your sister or your brother? You might have been told that by your parents. You might have been told that repeatedly by your parents in a variety of different and subtle ways. Now, what is subtle to an adult is a blunt instrument to a young and impressionable child. And that blunt instrument beats you down. And therefore, as a result of what went on during your childhood, you have this malformed impression of yourself as somebody far less than who you might actually be. You have a whole heap of perceived inadequacies. That is what you learned when you were young and impressionable. You learned that through a process known as snapshot learning. So you have a load of snapshots in your photo album, in your subconscious mind, that now as an adult, when anything ever happens to you, you call upon to try to make sense of what has just happened to you. And as a result of calling on that outdated, what psychology calls stored knowledge, you create your own version of what is going on now based on the perceptions that you have of yourself. In other words, at this point in time, the world is against you. Now, you might get to the point where you say to yourself, oh, I need to see a therapist or I need to see a psychotherapist or I need to go back to the past to figure out why I am where I am now. And you'll end up like our friend burning or attempting to burn the letter to his parents. Your parents aren't to blame. It's not their fault. What is actually going on is that something that was done to you when you were young and impressionable is being done to you repeatedly now that you're an adult again and again and again. And whereas that would have been done to you during your formative years by your parents, now it is being done to you again and again and again by you, by you. Isn't it bad enough that normal crazy parents, and, and God help us, 
most parents are normal crazy parents because most people are normal crazy people according to the universities of chicago and harvard 96 percent of people are normal crazy people because they're not in charge of their own state of mind they are doing to themselves what was done to them when they were young and impressionable and they just throw away remarks as i said subtle remarks that an adult will not even realize they're throwing away which is doing damage to their children particularly by the way in the third year of our lives we've covered that before isn't it bad enough that it was done to you once what sane person would do it to themselves over and over again now i've given you the example of parents but this happens all the time and i come across this in conversations all of the time people will tell me that they're having a dreadful time at work for example let's deal with something simple a job that you have now why i say that's simple you know if you don't like the job that you have well first of all you only think you don't like the job that you have but if on reflection you come to the conclusion that the job that you have isn't the best for you there are two things that you can do you can either change your job or change your mind and by the way the second one is easier often easier than the first one but let's come back to the point i was making someone will tell me they're having an awful time at work and they're suffering from stress and the boss did this and that to me during the day and i come home in the evening and i sit down at the kitchen table and i have my first glass of wine because i need it and i tell my husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend Oh, terrible things were done to me at work today. And I go through the whole thing all over again. So it was done to you once, and now you do it to you again. And not only do you do it to yourself again, you involve someone that you claim to love. You do it to them as well. It's utter, utter madness. I recollect, actually, a conversation that I had with a client, one of my first clients, many, many years ago. And he said to me, how do I get to the point where I stopped dragging people that I love down. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm having an awful time at work at the moment. He said, I come home in the evening, I turn the key in the front door, it opens, my two little kids run up the hall and say, daddy, 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 come into the playroom. I want to show you what I drew today or I want to show you what I did at school today. And he says, leave daddy alone. Daddy's tired, I'll, see, uh, I'll talk to you later. And he said, I tried to close the front door behind me but I can't close it because I have this big bag of crap that I'm dragging into the house with me metaphorically speaking he said I go into the kitchen having dismissed the children who were probably looking forward to seeing me perhaps all afternoon I go into the kitchen and I dump this big bag of crap in the middle of the kitchen table and so another wonderful evening in the McMahon household you can't blame anybody else for the predicament in which you think you are you can't blame anybody else for your life right now it is nobody else's fault you are to blame it is your fault because we create our own reality we create our own reality by a process known as cognitive appraisal. 
let me take you through this step by step. Because once you understand this, you'll say to yourself, well, I need to do something about this. You meet somebody in the supermarket on a Saturday morning. And somebody says to you, God, you're looking well today. Now, God, you're looking well today. That's five words. And those five words are, until you make sense of those five words, raw data that has been received by your auditory system. In other words, you've heard those five words. Now you have to go and make sense of what that other person has said to you. This is the process known as cognitive appraisal. You will make sense of those five words based on, first of all, the mood you're in that Saturday morning in the supermarket. You might have a hangover. Unfortunately, lots of people don't know how to behave themselves when it comes to drink. And they blame drink, by the way. <laughs> it's drink's fault. We're back to what we were talking about a minute ago. So you might have a hangover on the Saturday morning, so you're not at your best. So you're grumpy. And by the way, when you're in a grumpy mood, the automatic pilot in your head, dictated to by the grumpy mood, will pick the next thought that you think and create the mood for you then. In other words, it was the automatic pilot that got you in the grumpy mood in the first place. This is a vicious circle that's going on in our heads all the time. The mood we're in dictates which thoughts we think, which dictate the mood we're in. Anyway, it's all part of the madness of how the normal mind works. So I'm not feeling my best on the Saturday morning. That's the first factor that I will use in deciding what those five words, God, you're looking well today, actually mean. The second criteria I will use is what I think of the person who just said those words to me. Now listen to what I've said. I've just said what I think of that person. So it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with me. And I'm not in a position to think anything about the other person because as you'll discover when we go through the training sessions that I'm putting together throughout the month of November by way of video on a Thursday morning, as you'll discover, we never meet anybody new after the age of 13 because anybody new that we do meet, we put them into a box or what cognitive psychology calls a category so that we don't need to use any of our precious energy and attention to try and figure out who the other person is. So what I think of this other person who said that to me on the Saturday morning has nothing to do with who the other person is because I don't know them. I never actually really met them. The third criteria that I will use to try to figure out what those five words actually mean is what I think of me. Now we really have entered a minefield. If you ever saw the Netflix series Stranger Things actually what we've done is we've entered the upside down we've went we've we've entered a world of dark shadows and unreality shadows cast by what was done to us when we were in particular three years old so here we are I'm 65 it's 2023 I meet someone in the supermarket this coming weekend and I use thoughts that I've been carrying around about myself since the late 1950s or the early 1960s 
to make sense of something that is happening in 2023. What are my chances of actually coming to the correct conclusion in relation to what has just been said to me? or what has just been done to me. For example, if I go back to some of the examples I gave you earlier on in relation to the work situation. What are the chances of me getting it right? Slim to none, slim to none. So this person in the supermarket says to me, God, you're looking well today. Now I can interpret that as a result of having put those five words through my cognitive sausage machine. I can interpret those five words as a compliment or an insult, or anything in between those two extremes. How I interpret those words will automatically dictate my reaction to those words. And I might sneer at the individual, in which case both our days get a little bit worse, or I might laugh with the individual, in which case both our days get better. This in the minutia of every single moment of every single day of our lives is how we create our reality. Now I have a question for you. Are you happy with the reality that is your life right now? Are you 100% happy with the reality of the life that is yours right now? Because if you're not 100%, and I mean 100%, if you're not 100% happy with your life right now, you need to do something about it. And the great thing is that you can do something about it that is literally transformative. I said earlier on that where you are now in your life, it's not the fault of your upbringing. It's not your parents' fault. It's not your siblings' fault. It's not the people you hung around with at school. It's not their fault. It's not the fault of teachers who might have done things to you when you were young and you know some teachers small percentage of teachers have a lot to answer for most teachers are people who are actually on reflection important people in our lives but it's uh, anything that you think about yourself now good bad or indifferent in other words your perceived strengths as well as your perceived weaknesses they're all just thoughts they're all perceptions all of the people who gave you those perceptions or thoughts about yourself. It is not their fault. Where you are in your life now is entirely your fault. You are to blame. All right, let's take fault and blame completely out of the equation, because actually this podcast episode is not about blame at all. It is about responsibility. What responsibility am I talking about? I'm talking about you taking responsibility for what is going on in your head now. Take responsibility for your state of mind right now. Because once you take responsibility for your state of mind, in other words, what's going on between your two ears, you are in a position to stop yourself using the old processes and old thoughts to make sense of what you think is going on in the here and now. And that is a game changer straight away. Because first of all, first and foremost, once you take responsibility for your own state of mind, you're going to stop thinking about 
yourself. Now, this is the big game changer. As I said a minute ago, we all have perceived inadequacies. We all have perceived strengths as well. They're all just perceptions. They're all the result of stuff that was done to us and for us when we were young and impressionable. Those thoughts that we've been carrying around since we were young and impressionable, and by the way, haven't changed. Those thoughts haven't changed since we were 12 or 13 years of age. Those thoughts color your life. They poison your life. They provide you with the matrix that you use for making sense of your life in the here and now. And of course, because those thoughts are so far out of date and because they may well not be actually related to what went on during your childhood. I'll explain that one in a minute. They take you far, far away from the reality of the moment, and they literally drag you down an alley and beat the living crap out of you. Let me explain what I said a moment ago. Uh, the best way for me to explain this is a quick story, one that probably some of you will already be familiar with. Many years ago, I had a client who was the worst public speaker in the world, who was an embarrassment to actually listen to him when he stood up to make a speech. When I met him first, he'd been to all kinds of different workshops and seminars and training programs on how to make a great presentation. He was still crap. We had a long conversation one night. He was a friend as well as a client over a couple of beers. And at about 11 o'clock at night, he told me this story about what had happened to him when he was around three years, three and a quarter years old. He was, he, he was born in September. This was coming up to Christmas. It was Christmas Eve in the farmhouse where he grew up. And in that farmhouse on Christmas Eve, there would be a gathering of the clans. So there would be his extended family who would all come for a boozy evening's meal on Christmas Eve. That Christmas Eve, when he had just turned three, his mother cajoled him into getting up in front of the assembled multitudes to sing his party piece. And just as his mouth opened and he started singing, how much is that doggy in the window? two of his uncles started falling around the place laughing. He burst into tears and ran out of the room. Now, at that age, he took a psychological snapshot of people laughing at him. So that in later life, when he stood up in front of a group of people to make a speech or presentation, his subconscious mind would go to that photograph in his photograph album to enable him make it through his speech. You must remember evolution has designed our minds to enable us make it through the day, not to excel, not to achieve grand goals, just to make it through the day. So this guy had a photograph of people laughing at him. And that is the photograph that he used to make it through any presentation as an adult. In other words, as an adult, when he stood up in front of people to make a presentation, he made the presentation whilst fighting the urge to burst into tears and run off the stage. The really interesting thing is that his two uncles weren't laughing at him. They were laughing at a joke they had just shared. It was probably a bawdy joke, given the time of the evening that this took place. 
In other words, the psychological snapshot that he took that made him feel bad about himself all of his adult life never happened. He just thought it happened. The poison of thought. So let me come back to taking responsibility for your own state of mind. As I said a couple of minutes ago, and this is of extreme importance, when you take responsibility for your own state of mind, you stop thinking about yourself. Your perceived strengths and weaknesses are not. And that's very important because as a result of our strengths and weaknesses being the product of thought, they're not real either. Anybody with whom I have ever worked, and that's nearly for 28 years at this stage, has discovered that when they stopped thinking about themselves and started living in the present moment, they discovered things about themselves that they could never have imagined. They discovered what some people would describe in an emergency as superhuman powers. They discovered that they were able to do things and say things that they thought they never could, which is kind of you know, stating the obvious, if you think about it, they only thought they couldn't say this or do that. They discovered that they were grander than they ever thought they could be. As a result of which, they started making sense of what is going on in their lives in the here and now in a completely different way to the way in which our process of cognitive appraisal attempts to make sense of, for example, my encounter in the supermarket on a Saturday morning where somebody says to me, God, you're looking well today. So this is not about fault. This is not about blame. This is about responsibility. You taking responsibility for you and your state of mind. What do I mean when I talk about state of mind? Well, obviously we're all in state all of the time. That state, the emotional state, the mood, the down or the up that you might be feeling now is as a result of the process of cognitive appraisal. It has nothing to do with the reality of the moment. It's what you're making of the reality of the moment that has given you that low or high or anything in between those two extremes. There's a whole different world going on before your very eyes that you'll only see when you open them. And you open your eyes by taking responsibility for what is going on between your ears through meditation. Meditation enables you to come to your senses. We have five senses. We see, feel, hear, smell and taste. In the example I gave of the supermarket encounter, I was talking about the hearing sense. So in other words, if I hear those five words, I don't pay a blind bit of attention to those five words. I pay attention to what I think those five words mean as a result of a convoluted process known as cognitive appraisal that takes me miles away from the here and now. But meditation enables me to come to my senses. It enables me to see what's actually going on before my very eyes. It enables me feel the reality of the moment, not false emotions that have been created by my outdated thoughts. It enables me to hear what's actually going on. So I hear what people are saying. And as a result of that, I respond. I don't need jerk react in the way in which normal crazy people react to what they think they heard. And I taste 
and I smell. If you don't take responsibility for whether or not you're paying attention to your senses, you're always going to create a life that is less than your life might be because and this is obvious when I string together all the little bits and pieces that I've said over the last few minutes, because whether we use our mind normally or take responsibility for our own state of mind, either way, we create our reality. When we use our mind normally, calling on thoughts that we learned when we were three years old or so, we create a reality that will always do us down. Because the psychological snapshots that we took when we were young and impressionable were things that were done to us, that gave us a lesser impression of ourselves, that gave us more perceived inadequacies than perceived strengths. But the key point I'm making is either way, whether I'm using my mind like a normal crazy person, where my mind and its thoughts are in control of me, or I've taken responsibility for my own state of mind, and I am appreciating what's going on in the here and now, and taking action rather than knee-jerk reaction. Either way, I'm creating my reality. So let's go back to the start of today's podcast. Everything that is going on in the world, or almost everything, is the product of thought. Because most people are using their minds in a way that disables them from experiencing reality so that they end up perceiving a version of reality that is based on their individual thoughts and collective thoughts. What if I took thought out of the equation? What if you took thought out of the equation? Then you would see things as they really are. Then you would see you as you really are. And you would begin to understand experience and appreciate the grandeur of you. I actually think we had a podcast episode a few months ago, maybe it was a video, Thursday morning video, I can't remember which, called The Grandeur of You. People with whom I've worked, when they take control of their own state of mind, when they begin to experience the real reality of the here and now, they begin to experience and appreciate that they are living in a world of opportunity. As somebody said to me a couple of years ago, before I started taking control of my state of mind, I was drowning. My life was a mess. I was literally drowning. Now I realize that at the time I was drowning in a sea of opportunity, but I couldn't see the opportunities because my eyes were closed. Once I opened my eyes, once I woke up, I realized that I'm actually floating in a sea of opportunity that will take me in the direction that I want my life to go if I grasp those opportunities and take action. So in other words, I'm not talking about going with the flow. I'm talking about creating your own flow as a result of taking action. When we use our minds normally, allowing our thoughts beat the living daylights out of us. We never take action. We only ever react, and we only ever react based on what we think is going on, based on what we learned about ourselves donkeys years ago. When I come into the here and now, 
I'm able to take action. I'm able to take right action. You know why? When I turn up to the here and now, lo and behold, I actually know what's going on in the here and now. If I know what's going on in the here and now, I know what the right thing is to do, and I know what the wrong thing is not to do. Same with saying something. I know what not to say. I know how not to throw oil on the fire. I know how to do and say the right things that will move me in the direction that I would love my life to go. Now, I did not say that will move me in the direction that I want my life to go, because want is a product of thought. Now, obviously, obviously, we've covered so many bases in this particular episode this morning. We need to tease this out further, and that's why I'm recording these podcasts every week. That is why I'm putting together some long Thursday morning videos over the course of November to string everything that we're talking about together so that you can get to the point of understanding the primary importance of being in control of your own state of mind, the absolute importance of you knowing the direction in which you would love your life to go. As I said a minute ago, it's completely different from want. So that you can put these two pieces of what I call the two-piece jigsaw together to enable you live your life in the flow that you create. Because ultimately, we're talking about a mind that is in flow, creating flow. Because as I said a few minutes ago, either way, either way, whether you're normal crazy or whether you've awoken, you are creating your reality. So the question for you today that I want you to reflect upon is, which reality would you prefer? The one created by the madness of your thinking mind or the one you'd love to create?